happening for the series is uh, Better Together. Everyone say Better Together. And the scripture that we're going to look at this morning is uh, John 13, 34. So you can look it up on your own app or Bible or you can read it up on the, up on the screens. It says this. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, throughout John's Gospel, if you read through the Gospels, you see a focus, you see an intent to contrast two distinct worlds. You see him contrasting this world with the world above. You see him contrasting the created world over and above or or juxtaposed to the eternal world. And you see him contrasting the the fallen world as opposed to God's perfect heavenly world. So throughout John, you see two kingdoms in conflict. And he purposefully uh, contrasts these two kingdoms through the things that Jesus that he records that Jesus said. And in conjunction with the two realities of these two worlds, we also see the, the contrast between the behaviour, the attitudes, the mindsets, the paradigms, the lifestyle of the people of one kingdom and one world over and against the attitudes, the mindsets, the behaviours, the lifestyle of the people of the other world. The two kingdoms that are in conflict and the behaviour, the lifestyle and the way the two um, uh, peoples, if you like, um, behave and live their lives. And then Jesus in John 13, so if you know the stories as we get into the later chapters of 13, he's moving towards his crucifixion. This is not long before the... Uh, through the Last Supper, Gethsemane, uh, the trial, and he's sitting down and he's, he's getting towards the end of his ministry and he's starting to, uh, to articulate the things that are most important to him, the things that he believes he needs to make clear to his disciples that this is the essence of what I'm about. This is the essence of what I'm trying to say. This is the essence of why I came. And he summarises it as he comes down to John 13 and then he says, so because of all of that, In conclusion, if you like, he says, I'm giving you a new command and it's to love one another. (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) He's saying, "I'm I'm about to send you the Holy Spirit. He talks about that in John 15. I'm about to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to come upon you and you're you're going to be baptised with power. And you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. You're going to speak to mountains and they're going to move. You're going to have authority over demons and evil spirits. I'm giving you these things. You're going to, uh, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have all of these things. And he says, but there's going to be one thing. And it's none of these that's going to distinguish you as one of my disciples, as a kingdom, as a person of the kingdom, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It's not the power and it's not the authority and it's not the, the influence, it's the love. Right. It's your attitude, your behaviour towards other people. 
and particularly the church. Particularly brothers and sisters in Christ, in community together, your attitude towards them, your behaviour towards them, your, your thoughts towards them, and then obviously, of course, the people around you as well. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says, this is the distinguishing factor. I'd like it to be moving mountains. That would be good. (laughs) So if you're in the kingdom, you move that mountain. Otherwise, you're not in. Or authority over demons. (coughs) I've had a few experiences with demons. Not my own. (laughs) But praying for people and actually tell you a quick story. (coughs) I was water baptising somebody one day. And um, I was in the, got in the pool and it was when we were at Oxford Falls and <coughs> all pastors there and there's people all around, maybe, I don't know, a hundred people and this big guy gets in, taps all over him, must have got saved recently, comes down, gets in the pool and uh, normally, you know, hold their hand so that when you put them under, you can pull them back up and I can't remember who was on the other side, but anyway, we start praying and just about to go, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptise you. And then this guy starts going, like this. Oh, oh, this is not usual. Then he grabs my arm and starts twisting it. And starts trying to pull me under the water. And I'm like, what's this guy doing? And I look at his eyes, and it's like his eyes have rolled back in his head. And I'm thinking, oh, that's unusual. <laughs> so I... So I started going, I think this guy's going to try and drown me. (laughs) So I started saying, come out of him, you devil, in the name of Jesus. (laughs) And he's going like this. I think, get out of him. And then he goes, whoa, like that. And then just goes all limp. And I stick his head under the water. (laughs) How do you like it? (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) This thing just lifted off him. He didn't even know what he'd done. He, couldn't, he didn't even remember it. And I said, I said, how do you feel? He says, I feel free. I said, you are free. And anyway, then we baptised him and off we went. So, demons are real. Evil spirits are real. If you open yourself up to them, if you let them in, and they don't always just manifest in those kind of dramatic ways, but they can affect the way we think, the way we see other people, the way we see our life, the way we see our future affecting us. So, but Jesus said, you're going to have authority over these spirits. You're going to have the ability to cast them out, to, to, uh, to um, command them to go, to flee or whatever. But he says the distinguishing factor is not about that power and that influence. It is about the way you treat people. It's the way you behave, the way you think about people in the church or the church the community which you're a part of, and also the people around you. Matthew Henry says in commentary of this uh, verse, he says, this commandment, speaking of loving one another, had been so corrupted by the traditions of the Jewish leaders that when Christ revived it, he had to call it a new commandment. Laws of revenge, laws of retaliation, were so much in vogue in first century Jerusalem. Self-love and self-promotion were the focus that the law of brotherly love was forgotten and obsolete and out of date. Is it so different today? 
I find that retaliation, revenge, self-love, self-promotion, we're all the vogue. That's the vogue. I don't see anything different today outside of God's kingdom. <coughs> In fact, you, you watch TV, you watch movies, and you, you, you can quickly realise that, that as a society we're brought into the idea that if I'm totally self-sufficient, if I don't have to rely on anybody else, if all I have to do is worry about what I want, where I want to go, without any encumbrance, then I'm going to be happy. That's the message. And it's working so well for our society. <laughs> I mean, everybody's just so happy. Particularly on Victoria Road. <laughs> In the rain. <laughs> it's not working. <coughs> I've just started watching a series on Netflix. Has anyone seen the movie House of Cards? Anybody? Put your hand up. A couple of people up the back there. Isabel, that was like a, I don't want to admit it. <laughs> She's supposed to be working. Justin's looking at her. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, I'm really just got into this, this series. If you don't know what it's about, it's basically about a politician, <coughs> a very calculating, ruthless, wow. uh, self-focused, self-orientated um, politician whose ambition is to become the President of the United States. And... Um, and uh, his name's Frank Underwood. And so um, he's, one of his quotes is this. For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There's but one rule. Hunt or be hunted. <laughs> anyway, him and his wife are single-minded and unrelenting in their pursuit of their desire. And no one and nothing... He's going to stand in the way. And anyway, the, the whole series revolves around all the things that go on. Um, and although their characters, you know, both their characters are, are extreme to highlight their flaws, which you do in movies, there's a bit of them, the, the reason that, that, that uh, we acknowledge it is because we see those same attributes, maybe not in that extreme, but in every one of us. The desire... To put number one, to be number one, to put no, number one first. Always be first. Don't worry about anybody else. That most important thing is you and what you want. And if anybody gets in your way, then uh, then you drown them. <laughs> no. um, but as we see these characters and we think about the, the the messages that we get in our in our society and in our culture, we see that they are in conflict. When you read through the Bible, you see they're in complete contrast and conflict to what Jesus says leads to happiness, success, a sense of significance and value in life. Does that mean you should go without everything else and completely um, um, uh, reject anything in the world? No, because if you look through church history, that's happened at different points as well and, and that doesn't work out well either. What it is, is being in the world, as Jesus put it, but not of this world. In other words, having, having a centre, having a framework of beliefs and, and understandings and, and a foundation of um, ethics, if you like, that don't come out of uh, anything else other than, than what God says. 
that we have a Christian worldview and foundation that we can operate out of. And that means that basically autonomy, the idea of autonomy that I can do it on my own is really a life jacket full of sand. It, do, it doesn't work. And even George Bernard Shaw said, independence is middle class blasphemy. The idea that you can do it on your own, you don't need anybody else, that I can just live my life autonomous and, and separated and, and without having to rely on anybody else, although you know, sometimes uh, is appealing, <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't work. And the Bible presents us with an alternative worldview, an, an alternative way of living our lives, empowered by God's Spirit. Without God's Spirit, it's impossible. It's impossible to do because there is so many um, difficulties in it because it requires you to be a Christian. It requires you to be a Christian, (laughs) to live the Christian life. Um, And God has wired the universe, which includes you and I, in such a way that everything is interdependent. Everything relies on everything else. And we, unfortunately, you may feel it's unfortunate to, to do what you're called to do, to be who you're called to be, to be successful, to be happy, to, be, to be, have that sense of significance and value requires relationships and connections and commitments to other people. That's just the way it is. That's the way God's wired it. And there's one phrase that's used 58 times in the New Testament, and it's that one. 58 scriptures in the Bible says one another. And there's, you know, uh, there's this idea out there that you don't need to go to church, you don't really need to be connected to people to live the Christian life, or you, it's just a matter of what you believe and, and accept Christ and you do your own thing and you don't really need to be connected to anybody, but then you can't fulfill any of these scriptures. That require one another. They require more than one person. Excuse me. (laughs) Um, 58 times in the New Testament. It goes over and again. Love one another. Care for one another. Encourage one another. Support one another. Pray for one another. Greet one another. Share one another. On and on and on and on and on they go. And they are the outworking of Christ's message. And I want to look at a few of them here this morning as we continue in our message. So number one, I'm going to look at uh, seven of these one another's. <coughs> and even the word love, you know, love, the word love has lost its meaning for us. And, you know, there's so many different ways of expressing, oh, I love you, I, I love spaghetti. Well, I don't, but some people do. I love, uh, you know, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> If anyone's seen uh, Apocalypse Now, you know, the word love, it's, it's lost, it's become a bit anemic, it's lost its real meaning. So Jesus, or, or throughout the scriptures, it, they've uh, expressed love in different ways so that we can go, ah, that's what it looks like. Love is not just a feeling, love is an action. <coughs> the first one, we love one another through serving. Everyone say serving. Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another in love. So when we get involved in serving in the life of the church, when we're participating in some way, whether it's you know, a skilled type um, serving, um, 
like playing an instrument or doing sound or, or making good coffee or, you know, these, these high-end <laughs> skills. <laughs> I think bar- a good baristas are worth more money. Uh, <laughs> let's give Angie a big hand who oversees our cafe and all the guys, everyone that helps out in the cafe, do a phenomenal job. But every time someone serves, every time you see Ange or one of the other guys there, you see them up here doing this or, or a lot of jobs that are done when no one is here. Like John, who was up here, comes in every Thursday for about three hours and cleans the whole church. Other people, whether they're rehearsing or, or uh, Justine, who volunteers in the office, and the guys that do youth on a Friday night. There's just so many people that are, yeah, give them all that big hand. So many kids' shirts, people that serve out there while we're in here listening to phenomenal preaching. <laughs> so many people that are, that are serving in our community, and the Bible says that that is an expression of love. When we serve, when we give of our time and we serve in the community, we are demonstrating our love for one another. (coughs) And people have different amounts of time and and energy, of course, and and things going on, but I still think it's vital that every one of us in, in some way is serving, is contributing, is giving something back into the community and showing and demonstrating that love and that commitment, whatever that may be, whatever expression it is, but that is love. When Jesus is saying love one another, serving is an important part of it, as Paul demonstrates here in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Martin Luther King said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And so although it's important that we come to church to worship God and to get our fill and to get encouraged afresh and, and, and fired up for the week if we've had a bad week or whatever, although that's important and vital and, and, a, and a part of it, another part of our thinking should be I'm coming because I want to serve somebody today. I want to do something for someone in our community that is going to make a difference. Yeah, thank you. Come on, that's good preaching. Give me a big hand. (laughs) I'm preaching to myself as well. (laughs) Uh, So loving one another through serving. Number two, to love through encouraging. Everyone say encouraging. (laughs) Encourage the preacher. (laughs) That's good. We're getting there. We're slowly getting there. We're moving towards a black church (laughs) where I'll be doing break dancing up here on the stage later. (laughs) My wife said, don't you ever dance in public. (laughs) It's my ministry gift. (laughs) It just comes out on special occasions though when there's need for heavy anointing. <laughs> so, love through encouraging. Hebrews 3:13 says this, but encourage one another how often? Daily. Daily. As long as it's called today, why? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Isn't this scripture interesting? That a lack of inc- when you get discouraged, your heart is hardened. When you get down, 
you get hard. Hard towards God. I don't know if you ever noticed. You get discouraged. Things aren't working out. You get down on the inside. All of a sudden, your attitude towards God starts turning. Your attitude towards others starts turning. You start, your heart starts getting hard. And the best thing that we can do for other people is that we come with an attitude of encouragement. And as we do that, you may not even know what you're doing, but one encouraging word, one yeah. word of, of uh, praise, of, of, um, uh, of encouragement, <laughs> can break that hardness that settles on everyone's heart and lifts them and opens up them again to hear from God, to trust God, to move forward. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so every day we're looking for... Ways to encourage one another. When we come in on a Sunday to look for something positive to say to somebody that can encourage you, you don't know what kind of week everybody's had, what's gone on, what, what hasn't gone on, what isn't happening, and to come in and go, just look. I'm not saying make things up. Don't be fake. And <laughs> but but to find something encouraging that you, can, that you can encourage someone with as we come in on a Sunday so that the environment and the atmosphere is one of encouragement of uh, support and, um, and embrace. So, love one another through serving. Love one another through encouraging. The word encourage in its original language actually means to exhort, to encourage, to strengthen and to comfort. When you encourage someone, you strengthen them. You give them strength. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, number three, we love through our attitude. Everyone say Attitude. I'm just going to take another butter menthol. <laughs> butter menthols. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, what did I say? <laughs> butter menthol. Love through our attitude, Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. So what, what does that mean? It just means thinking about other people, not always being focused on ourself. The idea that if I put me first, everything's going to work out for me is an anathema to the Christian gospel. It's, it's completely opposed to it. Jesus said, and the Bible teaches, that if you look to put other people first, if you look for ways to help them get ahead, then God is going to open up ways and means for you to succeed. To, get, to go forward, to see your dreams and desires coming to pass. Be devoted to one another. Honour people above yourselves. Look for ways to honour people. And these things, they take practice. Where we go, you know, I'm going to look for an opportunity to do that for someone today or tomorrow or whenever it is. I'm going to look to lift someone up if it's in the work environment and you see someone... Um, that's done a good job in the workplace or, or they've excelled in some area, to then honour them and not just to themselves, to, to that person. Say, well, I did, you did an awesome job with that, but to tell whether it's their superior or, or their peers or whatever, go, man, this person did a phenomenal job in this area. And oftentimes we're afraid to do that because we're so wanting to see ourselves elevated that in that culture you just push everybody down as much as you can. And although this show, House of Cards, is a fictional story, it highlights so much the, the attitudes within our society, trying to get to the head and making sure as we're doing that, that we're able to climb on the heads of other people. Wow. And the Bible says, you know what, there's another way. There is a better way. 
there's a better way to get ahead. Um, Honour people. Um, Love through forgiving. Ephesians 3.31. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Just as Christ forgave you, don't hold grudges. <coughs> in any community, in any group, in any, whether it be a family, whether it be a, a church, whether it be uh, in a workplace, what, wherever there's people together, there is going to be offence. There's going to be something happen that's going to offend you, that's going to upset you. It can be a word spoken. It can be a word not spoken. It can be uh, any kind of non-verbal communication or subtle um, rejections uh, that take place you know, every day in, uh, within relationships with people and groups. And yet the Bible says, be kind and compassionate in, and forgive people. Constantly letting things go, letting it go, giving forgiveness, overlooking offence. And because the reality is that it actually affects us more than it affects them. When we withhold and that's why we end up with this mindset of, you know, oh, I just want to do it on my own. I don't want to have to deal with people. I don't have to worry about people. I don't want to have to trust people. I don't want to have to rely on people. They're useless. <laughs> I'm just going to do it on my own. And <coughs> well, we get hurt, so we build up barriers. We don't let people in. We're, and, and all this stuff goes on. And the only way that changes, the only way those walls get broken down is through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit, us opening up our hearts, saying, God, forgive me and help me to forgive others. And as that happens, then those walls begin to break down. We begin to open ourselves up and we begin to be free again. We, in our society, correlate independence with freedom. Those words are synonymous with us. If you're independent, you're free. And yet the truth is, from the Bible perspective, when you're autonomous, when you're independent, you're actually a captive. Because the reason you're behaving like that is because something's gone on in your heart that holds people away and doesn't let them in. And if you live your life like that, you are captive on the inside to the fears, to the hurts, to the pains, the bitterness, the rejection and any other emotion that is holding us back from embracing, loving, reaching out, serving and encouraging other people. So let it go. Let it go today. Say, God, I'm going to work with others. I'm going to help others. I'm going to be a part of community and not autonomous. I love through forgiving. Love through acceptance. Um, Acts 2.46 says, They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. Love through acceptance. Through Connecting with people, bringing people, embracing people. That's why the whole uh, idea of connect groups, and we've got a whole bunch of new connect groups starting up and people that want to host them, where we are worshipping together here on a Sunday, and, and, and that's important and vital, but also gathering together in smaller groups where we're fellowshipping with one another, where we're um, embracing, where friendships are established, where food is eaten and life is done together. A vital part of the Christian life is meeting in smaller groups. And if you're not in one at the moment, and I encourage you to find one that's happening near you or, or a group that's going that you want to be a part of. And um, Tracy oversees the connect groups. Stand up, Tracy. Give her a big hand. 
And I know there's a whole bunch of other connect groups starting up at the moment and I encourage you to be a part of that because that's the way the early church started. They met together in the temple to worship. They broke bread, ate, fellowshiped in smaller groups as well and I encourage you to be a part of that. Number six, love through motivation, Hebrews 10.24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think, think of ways that motivates other people. Think of ways that's going to encourage, motivate and stir people up to use their gifts and their talents, their ability, their finances, their, their time, their energy to, to um, do good works and acts of love. How awesome would that be if we're spending time thinking about that? And the last one, love through agreement. Philippians 2.2, 2, then make me truly happy, the Apostle Paul said, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. I love that scripture. You know, Christianity is not just about believing. It's not just about theology. It is about belonging. It's about doing life. It's taking risk in relationships. Where, And oftentimes we don't because we've been hurt in some way, shape or form. We've been let down or we've someone's moved away or, or something's happened where we go, you know, I don't want to have to deal with that anymore. And yet we're, the, we're worse off when we are not continually reaching out, bringing new people into our world and doing life with one another. That is what the church is all about. That is what Jesus wanted. That's, that's the vision that he had. Community, connections, relationships, forgiving one another, stuff going on. You know, in any relationship, stuff happens. In a family, stuff happens. You're not going to live through, you know, 20 years or whatever with marriage and kids and stuff without ever saying anything that you wish you hadn't have said. And I've apologised, I think maybe once. (laughs) (laughs) On a number of occasions I've had to apologise to my own children, which is a very humbling experience. No... (laughs) Where you, you know, you, something happens, you get angry, you say something and then you've got to go and apologise and, and whatever. But that's life. That is what life is about. No one lives perfectly. But to be able to say, I'm sorry, to be able to, or, or say, you know what, I forgive you and to let those hurts heal, to open up again and embrace is what Jesus is looking for. So uh, let's continue to do that. Let's create a community and and, an atmosphere, an environment where these things are taking place. And I tell you, not only will we be loving life and and loving God and and enjoying the journey, but we'll be seeing other people who are also thirsty and hungry to experience those kind of environments coming in and finding Jesus Christ and added to our community in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.